What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. Uh, we are here to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi streaming on Disney Plus, a series that I know I was incredibly excited for. Uh, my guests here today were also, from what we had talked about, really excited. Um, and I, I think for fairly different reasons, which was kind of cool to discuss, and we'll get into that in further detail. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and introduce Harrison first from the Basement Binge. Harrison, Obi-Wan Kenobi, finally here, something that I know you have talked about before when you were on the show, uh, your love of the prequels, so to speak. So how did this feel when this was announced for you? Man, I remember when it was my brother and I had dreamed about this for years. I've mentioned my brother and I, younger brother, we grew up with a prequel era. I always had the Obi-Wan lightsaber, and he always had the Anakin's lightsaber. Um, and, and so Obi-Wan was special to both of us. And I remember when this was announced, because there was a little speculation when the sequel started happening that this was going to be a movie, and, and some people made a fan trailer, and, and I was expecting it to be kind of like Solo or Rogue One, like one of those kind of offshoot movies not part of the main trilogy. Uh, and then it just kind of went away, and I was like, "Oh, dang it!" And and so <laughs> when they announced it, I was like, "Oh my gosh, it is happening!" The, the story that I was always interested in, because I always felt like Obi Wan was so special, I wanted to see how he dealt with the heartbreak of the the third film. Uh, so I was just stoked. Like it, it, it still feels surreal. Like as I was watching it, laying on my couch, I was just like, "I, I can't believe I'm watching it. Like this is legit. This isn't some fan made thing I looked up on YouTube because I was desperate. This is legit, and I'm watching it, and it was it was thrilling." Yeah, um, I echo some of the same uh, statements there. But Rob, um, again, something I know you were excited for, but maybe for different reasons, as we've both talked about on our anniversary edition that the three of us did, you know, we're not that fond of the prequel trilogy. We've we've made that pretty well known, but I, I think you had some some pretty high excitement for the show as well. Yeah, I think coming out of it, if you had to pick a character that's still alive or still in any way at all active um, outside of the the um, coming out of the prequel trilogy, I think Obi-Wan is the most compelling character, uh, partially because of Ewan McGregor and he's such a talented actor. You would want to see what he would do with it. Kind of like Harrison mentioned, there's there's a lot of heartbreak. There's a lot of personal grief. There's a lot of trauma and and all of these emotions that that he's going to have to deal with um and we kind of see that you know not getting into too much into the discussion but there's there's really a moment we see that later and i'll tell you it, it's very very compelling um when you have an actor as talented as ewan mcgregor it, you know it really lets that happen um there's so much it, and that's one of the beautiful things about star wars is there's so much time that takes place in between those trilogies there are so many stories that can be told and certainly have been told in the expanded universe that was a thing and then Disney made it not a thing and they made their own thing. You just think about how much is being explored between the Book of Boba Fett and The Mandalorian in that kind of in-between space between six and seven. There's so many cool stories like how did all of this happen? What, what do the regular people do in between this period of time? Um, so much has to go like I'm still mystified how we jump from the New Republic era to all of a sudden the First Order kind of going back to the, the Empire, basically restarting the Empire. There's still a full story to be told of how we get to that point. And 
I'm really compelled to see what they do with Obi-Wan. I think there's a lot of danger here, too. Anytime you do something prequely, there is an immense danger that you're going to have to retcon something or there's going to be continuity gaps. There's going to be things that you're going to do for the sake of telling a compelling story that are not going to line up with things that happen chronologically later that happened, you know, was filmed before that. Certainly we know that the MCU is guilty of that with uh, Nick Fury's pager that he somehow never used once to activate his space friend who could easily have come down and saved him from the events of, I don't know, the Incredible Hulk, um, the the events of the Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I don't know. Every, everything. Literally any of those events like would have been something you would have called her in for. But, you know, I, I don't want to get into the MCU talk here. So there's but there's a real danger. Right? And I highlight that just to point out, like, there's some things that fans are going to ask that. OK, why not this? Why not that? We know that they've been hyping this up as the rematch of the century. We know Hayden Christensen's back. We know we're going to see him in some capacity. So there's going to be events that will be it'll feel weird that never get referenced in the original trilogy. You know, I so I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I'm excited, but I'm cautiously optimistic because I just I get nervous around prequels for all of those reasons. Yeah, I think there's some good points there. I mean, I certainly was I was really excited for this show when it was announced and then. You know, once the announcement of Hayden Christensen coming back, I my excitement reached another level. And I talked about this with you guys that I was hoping he would get his his redemption, whether or not I liked him in the prequels, which I really didn't. You know, George Lucas's dialogue certainly didn't do him any favors. Um, the, The CGI in those movies, I don't think, did him any favors. But it was a cool feeling to know that he was going to come back. He was going to be a part of this show, um, you know, in, in what capacity we still weren't sure. But it intrigued me. And one thing that I always liked about the prequels, Rob, you touched on it, Ewan McGregor. I thought he was a really good Obi-Wan. I thought he brought some real maturity to the character uh seemed like a wise jedi seemed like a good guy uh and i liked him a lot and if anything these first two episodes back to back have you know re-solidified what i think of him as obi-wan kenobi but i want to you know but way we're going to get into spoilers in a little bit but part of the thing that's so intriguing to me about this is yeah how does he react to what happened and what's been going through his head? And I think part of what I loved about those episodes was just, you know, there was an emotional element to this. Um, And I want to actually start in on that. So in in order to do that, guys, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about these episodes you know, concurrently with each other. We'll start with episode one and and work into what happens in episode two. So Rob, I'm going to let you go first uh, and then I'll let Harrison pick up right after. Uh, We're going to get into the watch rating portion, which this is still spoiler free uh, until we get into our second segment. What do you feel? uh, Are these episodes, you can rate them. If you feel you need to rate them together based on them releasing at the same time, 
uh, go right ahead, whether they're a high watch rating, medium or low, or if you feel you need to really rate these two individually, uh, however you want to do the watch rating, you know, I'm going to leave that up to you guys if you feel you need to rate them as as one whole episode. You know, I think um, once again, Disney releases uh, two episodes to start off a new se- a new series on their their streaming platform. And once again, I think it's a good idea because truthfully, when we look at this first episode, what actually happens? You know, there's there's really not a ton of things that that really, truly happen. There's, there's like one big thing. Um, but in terms of like what I was maybe expecting, I don't, I don't know what I was expecting. I'm, I'm trying to let the story just kind of work itself out. I think star Wars on Disney plus at least, uh, not, not necessarily star Wars in the care of Disney as a whole, but star Wars on Disney plus has earned, uh, you know, my, my credibility. So I, I'll let them do their thing. Um, I, you know, the first one is kind of a medium. Uh, watch rating. I think the second one is more of a medium high. I've only actually had the chance to watch these just the first time. I've not gone back to rewatch them yet. Um, the second one, I think there's quite a bit more to really get into and, and things that happen, but I'm going to say medium watch rating for the first and uh, medium high for the second episode. All right, Harrison, where do, where do you stand with these? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the realm of what Rob is saying. I would, I would say I'm going to rate them together though. Because I felt like the first episode was more of like the prologue, like a book where it's so unique and, and it has so much to tell that they write like a little prologue to just quickly catch you up in, you know, where everybody is and how they think and, and so on and so forth. That's what the first episode felt like to me. And then we actually got into the story, but they kind of had to set the scene for what Obi-Wan was feeling and thinking and doing, so to speak. Um I would say, though, that it's a medium low. If, if Rob was rating it a medium high, this is a medium low. Um, I, I got to see how the rest of the season goes. Not that I doubt the season or I doubt that it's going to be or think it's going to be bad. But I, I believe that there's just going to be so much. I, my time is really short and, and I don't frequently rewatch TV shows. So like movies, I rewatch them a lot. But TV shows, I won't watch the whole season. I'll maybe pick an episode or two that I want to rewatch. And these episodes are good, and there's things I really, really like about them, but they don't have that engagement that would draw me back a second time. I think the whole season would have to have something really magical that would make me want to watch the whole season again to get to these episodes a second time relatively soon. All right. Uh, I definitely have a... uh, I shouldn't say higher opinion, but I rate these... to Like, rating these together... I classify these as a high rewatch rating for me. I've actually already rewatched both episodes. I pretty much did it in the same day. Um, so maybe that gives you a little bit of insight onto what I thought of these episodes and how, you know, uh, just really into them. I actually was, I, I liked a lot about what they did. I thought they told a really good story. There's some, typical star Wars moments in this that we'll get into later. Um, that kind of took me out of it for a little while, but I still felt just the story and catching up was just for me so strong that I, I rate these episodes back to back as a, uh, as both a high watch rating. Cause like I said, I watched them relatively uh, almost within a couple of hours of watching them the first time. So 
But I think you should also make sure the listeners know that the moment the guy at Disney Plus that he hit the switch to make it available, you like had your alarm set and woke up at like 2.30 a.m. to watch these the moment they were available. I had like a mental alarm on or something like my (laughs) my body like naturally woke me up for some reason was just like, hey, you it's probably uploaded on the service. You can watch it right now. And I was like, all right, well, I I guess I'm up. (laughs) So, uh. I really want to get into spoilers. I think that's the way we're going to be able, you know, obviously we're going to break that down so we can really talk about this in depth. So uh, we're going to move forward with popcorn time. And this is where we're going to get into spoilers. So for any reason, if you haven't already watched these two episodes uh, completely, this is where you're going to want to pause this and finish watching these. uh, So you're not spoiled to what happens in these episodes. And Harrison, I'm going to let you go first on this point because of your admiration for the prequel trilogies. But even I have to admit the recap in the opening showing Anakin and showing Obi-Wan and scenes from the first three movies. I I joked, I was watching it with my son and I turned to him and I said, boy, I said, it's funny what a short recap can do because it almost makes the prequel trilogies good. But <laughs> I I really did love this. Like, I really did love the the recap that we got. It just kind of reminded me like it. It made me a little like sad for the fact that, man, like, again, this this short recap that we got, if somehow they could have made the movies more about this um because when you think about the fact that like over three movies and over six hours probably seven when all is said and done closer uh you know a little bit closer to eight with their run times you know all it took was a five minute recap to show the actual relationship and scenes between obi-wan and anakin uh, it makes me a little bit like, man, I wish those prequel movies could have been more about their relationship and not everything else that happened. Uh, but I, that hit me right in the feels seeing that recap right off the bat. And I think that's what just kind of hooked me right from the start. Yeah, I, you know, I actually am grateful for that recap for lots of reasons. But one, I feel like I finally have something that I could point people to and explain to them what it was like to grow up watching the, the prequels uh, for so young. I think that people, we can all relate when we're young, we so immediately like latch onto characters and, and we just like want to be them, so to speak. And and that relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan, uh, although definitely not as good as that recap, that's what I always felt like watching it. Um, but I'm also, I thought that recap was so well done because I had watched some interview before the show came out and Ewan McGregor was talking about how this is like a, this is a different Obi-Wan than we've ever seen. Um, that he's broken down and that, that light in him is gone, so to speak, which Obi-Wan has kind of always been the, the hopeful, optimistic, kind of quippy, uh, you know, um, person, I would just say, uh, I can't think of the last adjective I was thinking of, but, um, and, and so it, it's different. This is a completely different Obi-Wan that we're going to see and we're going to have to get used to it. And it's a different story that's being told. So yeah, that recap or recap put me in the headspace to be prepared for the story they were about to tell and uh like almost almost opened up my heart for the sadness i knew i was gonna feel uh and then they didn't hold back on that they they opened my heart in a good way and uh then they filled it appropriately 
um, with the rest of the episode. So yeah, that, that recap, it was like, oh man, like this really, uh, it reminded me how depressing this really is. Like this poor Obi-Wan guy, man, he had it rough. Yeah. Rob, how, uh, how do you feel that Obi-Wan's portrayed just like Luke? So it, you know, once again, it's proven that Ryan Johnson knew what he was doing, uh, with the last (laughs) Jedi. (laughs) Yes, Um, yes, yes, yes. You know, that's supposed to be my bit is is somehow finding a way to relate everything to the Last Jedi. I I I got outdone. Um, so I you know it's funny we all noticed and made made like a mental note of the fact that they started this show with kind of a, a quick you know uh, a tr- you know recap from the from the prequels and really it's funny because. We talked about this a little bit before, but it feels like some of the stuff they do on Disney Plus is fixing holes or fixing problems uh, or making bad movies a little bit more compelling. You know, certainly uh, elements of WandaVision made Age of Ultron a little bit better. Certainly elements of Loki made Thor The Dark World a little bit more interesting. You know, there's there's more than just that that's made you kind of almost want to go back and like actually check something out again. Um, And it's kind of interesting. The further away we get from the prequels, I think you know, there's, there's a little more nostalgia for them than, than maybe they used to have. And and partly because the sequel trilogy sequel trilogy has been very divisive for whatever reason, uh, rise of Skywalker has been absolutely getting dumped on lately. Um, it's almost like people forget that the last Jedi was terrible and <laughs> they're focusing all of their hate on the rise of Skywalker, which it's, it's just kind of weird. It sort of came out of nowhere. Um, but these, this trailer was kind of like, Geez, wow! If they would have focused so much more on on those relationships and less Jar Jar, less floating pairs, less Annie, you're breaking my heart, you know, mm-hmm. less she died of a broken heart, you know, like less of that stuff and more of the and and we get this a little bit right out as soon as they show the this rundown, then they go right into the events of Order sixty six and they give you some really heartbreaking stuff. Um, you know, if, if that would have been more of it, and I've said this before, the, the reason why I think Rogue One works so well is we kind of already know it's very Shakespearean. You already know at the beginning that this is a tragedy and all of these characters you're introduced to will be dead by the end of it. And Shakespeare did that. You know, he pretty much sent somebody out at the beginning of the show. Yep. Here's the tragedy, the most lamentable tragedy of Romeo and Juliet. You already know everybody's dead by the end of this thing. And we already know at the beginning of episode one that Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader and you know that terrible things are going to happen. And it, it wasn't really until the third film and, you know, maybe three quarters of the way into the third film that it really did take on that truly dark kind of, we had elements of it, I guess, in episode two when he kills all the sand people, but you know, the women and the children too, and all the whiningness about sand and all that other stuff. Like, it's so hard to be emotionally impacted when so many other things don't work well. Um, but yeah, the, the opening to this and seeing kind of the aftermath of some of the most effective stuff. Um, and, you know, one of the things that occurs to me, and it's so interesting that we get Obi-Wan with his own show, of all the Jedi that we're introduced to in any of the trilogies, Obi-Wan to me always feels the most human. And what I mean is he feels almost like, like he's almost us, you know, he, he, he loves, he has friendships, he has defeats. You know, we, we really see that run the whole 
the whole gambit of emotion where all of the other Jedi feel kind of very wooden with their emotions or very kind of one note sort of thing, maybe two notes. Um, you know, Luke is the hero and he's optimistic all the way to the end. Um, you know, Yoda's the kind of the wise old mentor figure always. Um, Qui-Gon is, is a kind of a version of that, you know, you don't really get a lot of Jedi that really have a lot of range in their, in their character and their persona. And, and I think that's one of the things that makes Obi-Wan so interesting and why I'm so, so interested to see what they continue to do. Um, and, and some of the emotional beats that we already see in, in these two episodes already just make me realize they picked the right character, especially the right actor, uh, to tell the story with. Yeah, I, I think, Rob, I think you summed that up pretty well with the fact that like Obi-Wan almost feels like the most human. There's, you know, obviously the Jedi code, and we've talked about that in the past, how it's made them look like idiots at certain points in these movies. Uh, but yeah, like Obi-Wan, he feels, you know, outside of the Jedi code, like a normal person, like he understands things and I really do like, again, just seeing him in these two episodes, I was like, man, I forgot how good Ewan McGregor is, uh, you know, again, in my opinion, as Obi-Wan. And I, I felt like he showed so much emotion in between these two episodes. And you had a guy that, again, this was not just, okay, Star Wars and there's lightsaber battles and there's you know, flying and, you know, things that, you know, people love about Star Wars. There was some genuine emotion to these episodes. And you, you've you seen a guy who has been living with this heartache for, for 10 years and has not gotten over it. But you still see, a you know, you still see hope where he talks about, you know, when Luke becomes of age, he's got to be trained and then he gets hit with that you know, clap back and, you know, like you trained his father. And it's like, come on, dude, I know I screwed up. Like, you don't, you don't have to rub that in my face. Um, but he's still got that, that, that glimmer of hope that something better will come. And, and speaking of Luke, we don't, we don't get a lot of young Luke in this, uh, but we certainly get another legacy character. I'll call her we get a lot of young Leia and I'm interested, Harrison, again, I'll, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts? Because I know sometimes this can be really, really hated by fans casting, you know, a child as the actor. I mean, certainly it did not go well for Jake Lloyd who played young Anakin Skywalker. Um, what were your thoughts on, you know, an episode that really, well, you know, of a first two episodes that when it got down to it, I, I thought we got a lot of Leia. I was, I got to be honest, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I actually had that same thought. And then I was like, well, what was I expecting? I was like, well, I don't know. Right, how. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I definitely wasn't expecting that. Um, I, I will say that when she showed up, I was surprised. Like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like, this is not at all where I thought this story would have gone. Um, especially in the first episode before kind of the drama of her getting captured and how they're trying to get Obi-Wan kind of commenced where it was just like showing her dealing with her cousin. I was like, are we going to get like a, you know, kind of two stories happening at one type of thing? Um, you know, they, they just wanted to tell this. And then obviously it ended up relating to Obi-Wan. Um, but, but what I'll say is first, the child actor, whoever it is, I thought she did a fantastic job. Like 
whether they're an actor or not, like kids are kids. Like kids have a certain personality and she was a kid and that was really endearing um, to see, like, especially to imagine these characters, you know, even Luke uh, with like the glimpse we saw of him climbing on top of the little house and pretending to fly whatever he's flying, you know, like it, it adds a, like a human level to everything. Um, especially to, to Leia, because she's almost just like a goddess in Star Wars, even in the sequel trilogy. She always kind of felt mm-hmm. really special and untouchable. And, and this brings it down in a it's still a special way. Uh, it makes it endearing. The other thing that I'll say is that the a New Hope feels so much different now to hear her say, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. Like that, that it adds, a, obviously there's probably more that's going to happen, but it adds a, such a, a strong foundation to that relationship that they must have where she, she already has a trust in him. Uh, I really liked it. I, it really surprised me when it first started and I was confused. Like I wasn't bothered by it. I was just confused. Like this is not at all where I thought things would be going. And then kind of the conflict started of the second one. But by the end of it, I was like, wow, that, that was really well done. I, I didn't know that that was going to work out so well. Yeah. Rob, what are your thoughts on, on young Leia? Um, you know, it, again, I was kind of surprised, but again, what what were we actually expecting? I, I think I've seen enough Disney Plus uh, shows to know, like, okay, just don't let your fanboy sort of uh, imagination run too wild. Just let them let them do their thing. Um, interestingly enough, uh, the actress that plays young Leia, uh, Vivian Blair is her name, uh, was girl in the Bird Box movie that was all over memes about four years ago. Remember <laughs> back to Bird Box. That's, that's who she is. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting, but, um, you know, I love that they, they already show us that Leia is a force to be reckoned with. Um, they show us that she is inquisitive. She's intelligent. She, she sees through things. She has a wisdom far beyond, um, what a 10 year old girl has. And, and even when we get to a new hope, you know, she's still very, I want to say Carrie Fisher was actually 19 at the time. Uh, I'm not positive how old uh, princess Leia is supposed to be in Canon at that point, but she's, she's very young, but still has this, 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 I don't want to say like scheming way around her, but because that has like a real negative connotation to it, but she definitely, you know, has this presence in this aura that has captivated people for so long. And it just feels nice to see that um, in a Disney era, Star Wars, um, you know, a, a story that they didn't ruin both of the uh, stories of the Skywalker twins, you know, like they did with, with Luke. Uh, but I digress. Um, they, they did, they did a great job with her. They, they make you love her as, as a small child, knowing who she's going to be when she grows up. Um, and it's fun. You know, there's, she does do some little kid things, um, but she's still Leia. She still feels like the Leia we know and, and grow to love in the original trilogy and continue to, to have a fondness for in the sequel trilogy. I yeah. just have to jump in and say that her run was adorable. Like, I don't know if that was just me, but when she ran, I was like, that was the most adorable little girl I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, no, I, I think she did a really good job, which I was I was happy because, again, you know, that Rob, you mentioned it, but there there's a very thin line that you can have when doing something like this, and it can turn incredibly quickly where it goes from nostalgia excitement to what are you doing um 
but I, I think they they walked that line really well, um, you know, in, in these first two episodes. And I do love the little detail of, you know, Obi Wan trying to give the toy to Luke, which is the th- like that is shown in A New Hope that toy. Uh, that Luke is playing with. And yeah, it's easy to sit there and go back and do something little like that. But, you know, it's just something that is simple, but I really enjoyed the little detail of, oh, that ship that Luke was playing with and a new hope. Here's where it came from. I hope though, that they don't do too much. I think, I think part of what made solo a star Wars story, you know, not, not as great of a movie as it could be is they, they tried to do too much of that. Um, they tried to show you every little bit of every aspect of solo's character. Um, and it just kind of felt forced in some ways, but like little things like that. I mean, if you either didn't look it up or hadn't recently rewatched that film, you may not have even really caught it and that's okay. You know, like right. It doesn't right. Feel like it's, it doesn't feel like that is something they're forcing on you and they're trying to, you know, like point at you and be like, ha, you, the viewer, did you see what we did there? Look what we did. You nerd. You love this. Like it, it doesn't feel like they're doing that yet. And I, and I hope it stays that tone. Yeah, no, I, again, I think that's, you know, it's one of those things where you can cross the line very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about some of the main antagonists um, in in this show. We get them early on, and then to me, there was a pretty big surprise um, in the second episode. But, you know, we get the Inquisitors. Uh, they're in Rebels. They've been in Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order. And, uh, I mean, there was a lot of talk about how the Grand Inquisitor looked, but I, I did want to point out that... I did not know he was in this show and I was like, Oh my God. Like I I really had no clue, but do you guys know who I'm talking about? One of the, uh, the fifth brother who that is. Uh, I don't think I do. I have not watched rebels yet. So no. Oh, well I'm talking about the actor that plays him. So Hmm. when they first show up into the cantina, um, the the fifth brother is played by none other, and I'm I'm gonna butcher his name, but you guys will know him very well, um, by Sung Kang, which is Han from Fast and Furious. Okay, oh. I knew he looked familiar the whole time. I was looking, I was like, this person, who are they? Like I knew, I knew them. <laughs> it, you know, he wasn't snacking on chips, so it was it, he, you know, <laughs> he he went outside of his range for for this, but. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, like I saw his face and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was like, oh my God, that's, that's Han. Like I had no clue he was in this, this show. That's so cool. So cool. I would, I was so happy. Guarantee we get a pod racing scene at some point. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Drifting. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I was happy to see him, but I really thought that, you know, for all the talk about his design i'm sure you guys probably read some of that i did think that his just his tone his demeanor uh for the grand inquisitor i actually thought worked really well and i thought he had a a really good presence regardless of his look uh 
Granted, I didn't certainly take offense to it like some people have, but I liked how he was portrayed. Uh, Rob, I'll go to you first. What what were your thoughts on what are you know the main antagonists through the first two episodes? You know what's great about Star Wars, and this really occurred to me watching this, you can just throw literally anything out there. And because Star Wars is so diverse in its look, in the in the kinds of creatures that are presented, in the kinds of humanoid and not humanoid uh, sentient beings that they show you, the kind of technology that's available, you can literally invent anything and it just feels like it fits in this world. And that's part of the magic of it is, is you're just never locked into anything. Um, you can do a, a space Western, you know, <laughs> like right. you get with Mandalorian and parts of Book of Boba Fett. You can do almost anything. Um, you can do an opera house. You can do, a, you know, a, a crap hole bar and, and everything feels like it works. Um, I got to be honest, like the Bluetooth speakers stuck on either side of his head kind of threw me off a little bit. Like, I was just like, what? what is, what is that? Um, that looks kind of dumb. Like it didn't, it, it felt too earth and not enough star Wars to me it, to some level. Like, I'm not sure what I would have changed about it, but I, I didn't, I didn't love it and it never okay. really grew on me. Gotcha. Harrison, where, where do you stand? I, I think Rob made some, some very good points there. Um, I'm kind of going the complete opposite direction. Like I said, I never watched rebels, so I don't, I did see those things online, but I was like, I don't care. You know, like, doesn't interest me. <laughs> um, but so I was just like, whatever, we'll just see my, like, also, the pictures that I saw, the animation, like, that dude's head is a pencil. What do you, they, they want to put this dude's head in, like, a vice and squish it down just for the TV show? Anyway. Um, so as far as his performance goes, and, and just, he had a great presence. Like, I was terrified of him uh, in a good way. Uh, not in, like, a... Uh, like monster type way you know like you're scared of the monster in a horror movie type thing where like i was just so afraid of what he was gonna do like i have no like th this guy he has a look and a deliverance of his words that he could like stab me or he could not stab me and i'm not really sure and it's terrifying because i don't know uh and i really really liked that about him um also i have no idea what they do with to get his eyes to look that way but i thought that that was a nice uh look um, so, yeah, I, I really liked him. And obviously how, how the twist goes, I, just everything involving the Inquisitors, like what what exciting characters, particularly that reveal that Obi-Wan gives about them. Maybe that was revealed in Rebels and I just didn't know that uh, of who they are. Um, yeah, I think that like if we're going to use the so to expand Star Wars canon, like, again, I know they're in Rebels, but I'm, I'm really excited about Inquisitors and, and the type of characters they are and type of antagonists that they're going to be. Yeah, I think there's, you know, one thing, and we talked about this, we're not going to get off on, uh, Rob, like you said, the MCU and Marvel, but we talked about this with the MCU is, you know, one thing with this show that I will say that maybe the reason why uh, what I think, uh, what I perceive is I liked it maybe a little bit more than you guys is the fact that I have watched all of the Clone Wars and there are things that happened in the Clone Wars that deepened Anakin's and Obi-Wan's relationship and even Senator Organa, his relationship with them and things that he knows, um, such as he knows that Ahsoka and Obi-Wan are both alive, but he you know, can't say anything about that in this live action show. There's a lot of stuff that goes on so 
I do think sometimes that they, you know, Rob, like you said, there's sometimes, you know, when you have to retcon things doing a prequel, but when you're adding this expanded universe and there's things that have happened in this, in these two episodes that there is a better understanding of them or maybe more of an appreciation, if that's the right word, uh, when you had to watch six seasons of the Clone Wars or certainly with the Ahsoka show coming up, uh, the trailer was leaked for that and it really looks like Rebel season five. So, you know, do you run the risk of when the world is this big and you're using these outside expanded stories will people miss out on some of the things that might mean more to maybe somebody like me who's watched the clone wars. Yeah. And I think that's where, as long as it isn't something that you had to have seen those. Um, I, I think that there's, there's certainly a lot of people that watch the clone wars. There's certainly a lot of people that watch rebels. I think more people will watch Obi-Wan. I, I right. That, I don't know that it's, you know, anywhere near the same uh, level, but you know, if you have to have something make sense to like, you know, you had to have watched, read this tie-in comic, and that's the only way it makes sense. Or you had to have watched this episode of this show for this particular line to to make any sense at all. You know, tell a compelling story without necessarily having everything have to tie in. You know, perfectly. Um, and that's sort of you know we've talked about some of the great things we love about the MCU, but we've also talked about how there's there's some influence on the entertainment industry that is happening because of the success of it. And everybody's trying to copy it and create these interconnected worlds uh, and just down the hall in Disney campus, you know, you go from star Wars to, to Marvel. Um, is there a risk that they will try to tie too much in or make it feel too, like it's too big for anybody to casually be into, you know, do you, do you risk alienating casual fans so far? It doesn't seem at all like that's the direction it's going. It still feels like you can have watched the prequel trilogy immediately jumped into the show and be just fine. Uh, frankly, you could just watch the recap <laughs> and probably be just fine. Um, and I, I really do hope that it, it stays that way. I think a good example of this, and maybe Matt will prove me wrong. Cause I'm working my way through clone wars. Um, I watched the seasons forever ago when they were on um, TV uh, before Disney plus was even heard of. Anyway, um, I haven't finished it, and and that scene where there's that clone veteran who asks Obi Wan for some credits. Yes. For for a few minutes, I was like, was that somebody I was supposed to recognize? Like, am I supposed to know who that is? Does that mean something? Did I yeah, miss it was Boba something? Fett. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I, that voice, that was so good. Um, but I was so worried for a little bit, and then it, the way that it just moved on, I was like, no, that was that was just something cool to show. And it was, like, reassuring to know that I wasn't missing out on anything. And then it kind of just put me at peace. Like, if there is something that I need to know, I'm going to know it. Um, you know, I'm giving them full confidence in that. Yeah, I think um, – because I kind of sat there and I saw that and I was like, oh, man. Like, I was, I was kind of thinking, like, well, if you're a clone, I'm not really sure if your brain or anything, like, deteriorates like a normal maybe human being – so I like I kind of got nervous, like, oh, my God, he's going to recognize Obi-Wan and the jig is up like he's going to be outed. But then, like, I also sat there and I, I thought about the fact that, OK, there are, you know, there were hundreds upon thousands of those same faces. And that's mentioned in um, 
I can't remember if it was the Mandalorian or the no, it was the Mandalorian where Bo-Katana says, I've heard your voice a thousand times. And Boba Fett says, but mine might be the last you hear, princess. Um, I did kind of get thinking about the fact of, you know, after Order 66 or whatever the case may be, the clones just became like expendable. Because the yeah, like then the, just like right after he walks past, I think they're stormtroopers. I couldn't tell if they were right. Yeah, or clones. I was like, uh, why is he on the floor? <laughs> yeah, well, they're they're certainly in the stormtrooper armor, and if you know, I am connecting dots or anything. And Rob, if you if you have something on this, you know the the stormtroopers were different than at least everything I've ever known about Star Wars. Once the stormtroopers and the empire uh it's not the clones anymore so what what happened they were just kind of expect like they were expendable and they're they're out on the streets like I, I found that interesting and i i kind of found myself like thinking about that yeah without and i'm sure somebody listening to this who's read all of the tie-in novels and read all the graphic novels and and everything ever will probably have the answer to this I think somewhere I'd heard that basically once their their time in the in their service was up, they just kind of all retired and lived out their lives, um, and that the the stormtroopers are now new recruits, and for whatever reason they didn't continue with the clone program. Um, I, I, that sort of feels like that makes sense, but I kind of want to jump a little bit further back. You know, you talked about the danger of him being recognized. How does nobody recognize him? Like nobody at all. I mean, they have those pucks that his face could be literally everywhere. It's not like people wouldn't know who Obi-Wan Kenobi is. He was a very prominent Jedi at a prominent time in the Jedi's history. Like his face would have been around. Like you can get you can get him on camera and put it out everywhere. Like the whole kind. And that's part of one of my one of the things that I'm very cautiously optimistic about how this show is going to make sense as a prequel is how can he show his face almost anywhere without somebody recognizing him or without the wrong people recognizing him like that to me, I still have some apprehension about like it, it does, it doesn't really matter, particularly because he doesn't even change his last name. Like, Oh, Hey, yeah, we're looking for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, that's Ben Kenobi. He looks kind of like him. I wonder if he's a cousin, like, you know, like it just, it's always felt a little weird to me that he goes into hiding, doesn't change his name. They put Luke Skywalker on the same planet Anakin Skywalker's from. Don't even cha- bother to change his last name. And we're just supposed to believe that the Empire and Darth Vader never actually go looking for them for, for guys that look like they're supposed to look with the last name that has of the person they're looking for. Like those are the kinds of things that this show's going to have to kind of help me understand better. Yeah, uh, a good point. And, you know, I I'm sitting there and I think now is where I want to bring this up because there was a lot of good in this. But I also feel there were some scenes and Harrison, you mentioned young Leia and how adorable her run was. But there were some scenes and there were some there was some dialogue that I don't know if they were almost paying like homage to george lucas um because there was some really clunky dialogue in a few spots in these episodes <laughs> uh like really clunky like they were just smacking two pieces of wood together um 
And then there was, I felt that chase scene in the second episode. Again, I'm, I still really like these episodes. I'm not going to let it deter me, but boy, there was some questionable framing uh, and, you know, camera work all around. I, I felt in that chase scene. Oh yeah, and I, I, which was so jarring because I felt like the camera work up until that point was really great. Like I was really admiring it, and I was like, "Yeah, this is why you get, you know, whoever to do wh- whatever." And uh, then that scene came, and I was like, "What the heck?" And not even just the camera and like the blocking, um, but also the way that, like, how did she escape so frequent? I mean, like she didn't escape, but she almost escaped multiple times. Like that chase would have been over in five seconds. Trust me, I've ran down a ten-year-old before. And then, like, she would run under the tree, and that tree would be at, like, the person's knees, and they're like, God dang it, gotta go all the way around. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just thought it was so, oh, like... Oh, God, that one was terrible. That, that chasing was really cringy in a lot of ways. Yeah. The, the chasing in the forest was, was awful. The chasing in the second episode was a little better, but holy cow. I mean, it was... It made absolutely no sense at all. Like, it, it relied on, on the bad guys being literally the dumbest kidnappers ever like i'm talking like you know marv from home alone level stupid like just walking into stuff or not able to figure out how to like step around a tree it's it really uh it really pulls you out of the scene yeah i i thought it it really did um yeah i was just like wow like whoo boy that uh, again like star wars has never been you know, hi, like highly regarded for its dialogue, but man, like <laughs> I, I felt like it, I felt like it's been so long between the Mandalorian. And then even for some of its faults, I didn't feel like book of Boba Fett had that clunky star Wars dialogue. So because it's been so long um, from hearing that it, like it, it really like bum rushed me when it was, when it was on screen. Oh yeah. And like, like, I don't know what specific things you're referencing, but the one that really got to me was when uh, Obi-Wan kept saying, Leia, hold on tight. I was like, what? He said it like, like I don't know. It just really bothered me the, the, how repeatedly he said it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, that to me was like, I, there were some clunky lines before that, but that was the one that was like, it clunked. And I was like, okay, that was a clunk, if you know what I mean. Right. But then I kind of remembered the others. Yeah, what, uh, you know, before that that scene happens, what were your guys' thoughts, Rob? I'll I'll go to you first. Uh, Haja, the masquerading Jedi, I felt like that was actually a pretty well-placed, timed humor um, that kind of broke up the episode and I I think kind of the correct spot. I actually liked how they did that. Um, it, It just felt like the show needed that at that moment. Yeah. There's, there's some things that are quintessential star Wars. And I think back to when uh, star Wars, the force unleashed was created. And, and this was before Disney owned uh, Lucasfilm. 
and they went to George Lucas and they went to LucasArts and they, and they said, Hey, you know, we're, we're thinking about doing this, you know, this is kind of what we're thinking. And they basically got back a list of things that you have to include. If you want this, if you want to make this official star Wars. And one of the things was a certain tone of humor introduced at periods, you know, you have to have a droid. They, they had said something, you know, there's gotta be some type of, of romantic plot point as well. There's gotta be some kind of tie there. Um, and, and they actually, for a while, said that Force Unleashed was canon, you know, that, which I thought was kind of cool. And that's been now wiped away. It's a cool game, by the way. Go back and play it if you never have. Um, so, Matt, I agree absolutely with what you said. You know, we really didn't get any of that lightness in, in episode one that, um, you know, we, we got a little bit from Leia, I suppose, but but nothing, nothing really good. Um, having him, you know, just seeing the street hustler figure out how to convince people he's a Jedi. It makes sense. Like somebody definitely did that in the Star Wars world. So, yeah, show it to us. I, I thought it was quite funny. Yeah, I really liked it as well. And and at first, before he started faking it, like when he just walked in, uh, I was like, oh, is this like going to be a legit Jedi? Like, who are we going to get? And then it was I'm going to mispronounce his name, but Kum- Kumail Nanjani, and I was like, no way! He's right. in Star Wars? Like, just seeing him in Star Wars was so exciting. Um, and then when he... It became more and more obvious that he wasn't a Jedi, I was like, oh, I should have guessed that. Um, and uh, But I really liked it. I thought it was realistic, and also to see the type of character he was later in the episode, I really enjoyed But But I, I thought it was well done, and I also liked how quickly Obi-Wan noticed it. Like, of course he would, you know. Uh, if you're a master, you can spot a fake faster. Uh, but the, but the humor was good. I th- I felt like like you said, Matt. It was at the right time when it needed it. Like it was not like that. I was like waiting for a breath of fresh air, but it was like I, I don't know. It was like a good water break that you didn't know you needed. Right. Yeah. No. Certainly. Um. So what? A character we have not talked about at all shows up in the first episode. That is part of the Inquisitor group. Is Riva. And I've actually I've heard a lot of negative talk about this character, especially considering what she knows, since it's supposed to be such a highly guarded secret. So, Rob, um, I'll let you take first crack at it. What are your thoughts on this character and what are your thoughts on what she knows? You know, she's really got, uh, she's got it in for Obi-Wan specifically. There's, there's something there. Um, oh, she's secretly uh, in love with him. Clearly. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of implied. Like, I, I think everybody's got the same fan theory that she was, you know, a, a trainee, a Padawan of some kind. She was one of the kids that, that escaped order 66. You know, she's, she's got a re she used to be Jedi. She, she used to be an ally of Obi-Wan's in some way. And, and because somebody that was close to her or she was afraid and a Jedi couldn't protect her, like that's why now she specifically wants to go after him. Um, you know, I, I think that's the story they're going to tell. It's it's pretty clear. I think that that's the direction they're going with it. I thought that some of her, you know, kind of tough guy posturing was maybe a bit over the top. Like I wasn't particularly bothered by it, but I, you know, I thought it was maybe a little over the top. Um, I kind of, I, I really like these inquisitor characters and I have kind of a, a prediction. I'll, I'll, I'm like 50, 50 that I think this is what's going to go on. Um, I think we're going to see some kind of crossover between 
the Obi-Wan TV series and Jedi Fallen Order game series. They've already, they just very recently announced the sequel to it. They very recently made it public that there is going to be a sequel that was long rumored. It takes place during the same period of time, some of the same types of characters. Uh, it, it feels like maybe we'll see Cal Kestis at some point. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. That might be a bit much. We've already seen, you know, they're willing to bring Ahsoka in. They're willing to do some of these other things to cross over from animated to live action or, or whatever the case is. Um, in fact, I want to say they specifically modeled the look of, of Cal Kestis after the voice actor. That way, if they ever decided to bring him to a live action, you know, it would feel like it fit. Um, so that's currently my, my, that's my working prediction that I've got right now. Um, but going back to Riva, um, yeah, a bit, a bit over the top, but I, I, it's okay. Um, I'm curious to hear what the things people are saying about her. Um, maybe I'm just dumb, but I didn't catch up any of what Rob was saying about her. Like I assumed that she was a Jedi to some extent, but I didn't, I didn't make any of those uh connections and who knows if that will happen or not maybe it's just because after my experience with wandavision i've just taken my <laughs> guessing so far back like i'm just not gonna guess anything um i don't know but anyway i really thought she was a little bit where where her you know like i'm owed something and you know and i'm gonna prove it and i'm gonna get there first we almost got into stereotype almost not quite um, yeah. So it was a little excessive at points, but for the most part, I thought it was an interesting character that these these Inquisitors obviously aren't a great team. Uh, I mean, maybe they are, but they they obviously don't get along. And I thought that that was a good good twist on it. Um, and obviously, what happens at the end, but um, yeah, I was when she knew. I mean, like when she said Darth Vader and and Obi Wan's face, I was like, oh man, like he doesn't know. And, and, like, I got that immediately. But how does he but, not know? But then, well, let me come back to that. I'll give you my theory. But, but then when she said Darth Vader or, or Anakin is still alive, I was like, how does she know that? Like, isn't that a secret? Like, isn't Anakin Skywalker supposed to be dead? Um, so that was just weird to me. Um, but back onto what Rob said. I, 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 my personal belief that my brother and I had, had always held was that Obi-Wan felt the most heartbreak moving into the sequels or, or not the sequels, the original trilogy, because he thought he left Anakin there to die. Um, like that he knew he was going to die and he chose to let him die because he didn't have the heart to kill him. Um, but that doesn't make sense for the way that Ben interacts with him in the, a new hope. So maybe the series can fill it in. Um, but that's my thoughts. Yeah. Um, good points on both ends. I just, I think what I had a problem with with this character and what a lot of people had a problem with is, Rob, you talked about it. It felt almost a little bit too much of the it, it. It almost felt like, you know, the boys were picking on the girl at the swing set, like kicking sand at her. So she's got to be tough, um, which doesn't really, to me, fit with Star Wars. So, like, she had to overcompensate because. I mean, there is some of that where he's like, you're trash, you're not one of us, you're the lowest of us. Um, you know, so she wants to curry favor. But again, I'm going to have faith in the show that they're going to be able to explain um, how she knows that uh, 
Anakin is is Darth Vader because it's supposed to be a surprise. Well, I guess, and this is where clear something up for me. Obi Wan never heard Anakin refer to himself that way, or it was never like, you know, he because Palpatine kind of like knights him almost rise Darth Vader, you know, like the, he refers to him that before he gets burned alive, you know, basically, and, and has to go into the suit. I, I guess I'm really confused. Like Anakin never like uh, Obi-Wan never knew that that was Anakin's new, like code name. Like oh, yeah, he didn't point. I, did like I, I, I was, I was very confused when like she said it to him and he was shocked by that. Like, why did he not know that? Like, I thought for I thought for certain he knew that. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Anakin corrects him on Mustafar and he's like, you are my brother. And he's like, yo, dude, my, my name's Darth Vader. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, not, like, knock it off. Um, but I mean, obviously, I would think that in this 10 years, um, you know, Obi-Wan would have heard the name Darth Vader. I don't think Darth Vader is a secret. Um, and I, I'm almost wondering based on the end of the episode, because, you know, it's almost like Obi-Wan shut himself off to the force kind of like Luke did. Um, won't say anything more than that. Cause I don't want to get Rob all worked <laughs> up. Um, <laughs> So when he goes to use the force to stop Leia from hitting the ground, you know, it's like he reconnects. I'm almost wondering because I interpreted the ending of episode two in a certain way. And I'll see if you guys interpreted it the same or if it was just a, a shot. Um, he opens himself back up to the force. He hasn't used it in a long time. Is it the force that connected him to understanding that when she says Darth like Darth Vader and he knows that that's Anakin Skywalker and when he says Anakin's name is that Anakin connecting to Obi-Wan and realizing that you know he can feel him in the force again because you know in a new hope he says I felt something you know that I haven't felt in a very long time meaning they you know, like force people can feel other users of the force, whether or not it's light or dark side. Yeah. I, I think that that, that, that makes sense to me. Like he, he's gotta know the Sith are out there. Ob I mean, obviously, duh, but, um, he, I, 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 to me, this is, this is the way I observed it, that when he saved Leia and, and reconnected himself with a force to me, th this is how my brain kind of went through it was that he just he, he understood the darkness that he was up against if that makes sense like that, that it was easy for him to shut himself off against everything and just kind of go into that like depression mode so to speak where you're like avoiding the bad you know what i mean like if i don't look it's not that bad type of thing uh and then when he connected it was like oh yeah like this is the reality that this is the dark side and it was like a slow reveal you know, you know like the the light the fog started to dissipate as as it progressed, and then when she said Darth Vader, it was like the connection was like that is. The but I still don't I understand like the the fact that he didn't know that. Like okay, so the the Sith seem like they're they're winning. You know, Palpatine is taking over. He's you know he's become the Senate. Um, he sends he he turns Anakin against him. Anakin's completely onto the dark side. 
Obi-Wan, you know, tells him he has the high ground, which is still kind of a cringy line, um, and gets memed to death, as it should. You know, he cuts him up. He starts to burn alive. He goes into hiding. Weirdly out of nowhere, this half-robot cyborg dude who's really good with the Force and really evil shows up as, uh, as Palpatine's number two and never th- stops to think that perhaps this ultra-powerful Force user is Anakin, still alive, you know, using cybernetics to keep him, keep him going. Like, I just kind of, like, the more I talk about it, the more I think it's stupid. Well, I mean, stupid is a hard word. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> like it just, it, it, you know, Matt, you've talked about it a lot. Like the Jedi look really, really dumb at times, particularly in the prequel trilogy. And I don't know, like the fact that he doesn't make the connection or just didn't know, like, I just find that so hard to, to accept. But, but I also would wonder if you're in the sands of Tatooine cutting up a giant shark or whatever that is, how much do you know about the, the Sith? How much do you know about the Senate? You know, this is the Outer Rim. I think someone said that to one of the Inquisitors. This is the Outer Rim. You have no rule here or power here or something like that. You know, like, like do, do I know who Putin is? Yeah. Do I know who Putin's number two is? No clue. I'm sure he's got one. I don't know who he is. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder to what extent, like, Obi-Wan's clearly shut himself off. I wonder to what extent he shut himself off from everything. But also, I mean, like, how much can you avoid uh, when the world is the way it is? Um, but he does respond to the name Darth Vader. Yeah. So so my, my idea is that, that the response to the, as I think about it now, his response to the name Darth Vader was like, like a connection to darkness, like, if you know what I mean, like not so much to a person, but just so like, an, like, like he is fully aware of the darkness of the force that he has shut himself off and kind of avoided addressing emotionally. Um, and then it comes to the point where he, you know, makes a connection. To Anakin. That, but again, this is all speculation and this is exactly what I didn't want to do after one vision. So <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think there is, I think there is going to have to be some sort of explanation as to how he doesn't, you know, how he doesn't know how Reva knows. Um, And and Rob, I think, you know, again, you made a good point at, at, you know, at the start of this, this breakdown that sometimes, you know, you, you run that risk. And I think based on some of the things that I have read already, you know, there's certainly a lot of questions that have come up when you're sitting there trying to go back and, you know, not necessarily retcon somebody because, you know, I mean, look at a new hope when, you know, Ben Kenobi is like, Oh, well I haven't, uh, I don't ever remember owning a droid. So it's like, I don't know at the end of this, does he get, you know, does he get hit with an adamantium bullet? Uh, you know, a la X Men yeah. Origins Wolverine. Like, oh man, yeah. the second terrible movie we've mentioned so far. <laughs> so I, I do think um, there's there's definitely some questions that they're going to need to answer, and you know, a a couple of things that seem maybe a little suspect, but. Where did you guys stand since we're we're talking about the end of episode two? Where did you stand on the 
Grand Inquisitor actually, you know, getting the old uh, lightsaber through the the belly. I thought it was awesome. It totally surprised me, and I was like, you know what? Go f- good for you, Reva. <laughs> uh, I liked it. I thought it was a good twist that I had no idea was going to happen. Um, yeah, I, I I really really liked it, especially. I think that to me, like passionate antagonists make better antagonists um, because it also when you're passionate, when you're fired up the way the Reva is, you also make mistakes, and it, antagonists have to make mistakes. So. So that's like, you know, taking a look at just like storytelling in general, it makes me more excited for um, the story that's going to happen. But also, if I understand the Inquisitor right, doesn't someone become a new Grand Inquisitor? I don't, you know, I'm not sure uh, how that works. I don't know if it like passes, you know, like almost like the Highlander, you know, when you when you take another immortal's head, their their quickening passes to you or something. Um Highlander's so good, by the way. Go back and rewatch that show. Holy crap. Um, but uh, I was actually surprised as well. I thought for sure he was going to kind of be one of our big bads, you know, for this for this season. Um, and uh, he gets taken out uh, in week one, you know, second episode, but still week one. Um, so it looks like this, uh, you know, it looks like Reva's going to be kind of the, the main antagonist that we'll be uh, seeing throughout. Yeah, I, I definitely was surprised by it. I was like, whoa, like I kind of audibly um, made a noise when that happened because I did not uh, I did not expect that. I expected them to maybe get into like a little ordeal, which would allow Obi-Wan uh, to escape and it would lead to them like breaking it up. Um, and then maybe that's where we would, you know, get to vader maybe getting involved because like i'm tired like i'm tired of this like this has cost like us getting obi-wan but i will say that you know the one thing that i was really curious about i mean i'm curious about a lot but i was curious as to how long it would take to actually show anakin darth vader in this show and even though it's you know it's at the end I do think it was the right decision. I mean, we know he's out there and he's lingering on the show. I do think it's the right decision, though, to show him when they did and not hold it off. You know, we talked about that with WandaVision, where by the time episode four came, it was like, okay, we we really need something here. We know what the foundation is. We know what the base is. Um, but boy, we need we need some meat like the the broth is simmering, it, you know, great, but yeah, we need the meat and potatoes in the soup now. And I, I do like the fact that they showed him at the end of this episode. You know, getting back to the idea that they released two episodes simultaneously, um, it's 100% the right way to end it. So very few people are going to watch just one and then not watch the next one within 24 to 48 hours, unless they just really were turned off by the first one. So getting you ready for the second week of the show, the third episode showing Vader in the back to tank and having his eyes open and come, you know, start to think like, okay, or do they have a dyad in the force? <laughs> you know, like, do they have this, this connection that, that spans much further? And we've already seen that Disney era star Wars is willing to just completely make up new force powers or new ways that the force works just willy nilly to suit what they want to do. 
So that could absolutely be the case. But yeah, in terms of getting people excited for what they're going to get in the second actual week of this season being on the air, perfect way to end it. And it makes sense with what kind of what we were speculating on earlier. Did did Obi Wan feel a connection to Anakin in the Force? I think that he did. I, to me, that makes the ending a lot more than just like, oh, here we gotta we gotta tease you something for the sake of TV type of thing. Where it, where it, that has intention uh, in the story and in what we're being shown. I, I think to me, in that moment, whether they're a dyad, I think that would be dumb if they became a dyad. But but clearly, the same way that you have a bond to a friend if the force is this power that's got to connect that bond as well uh, or beyond a friend as obi-wan said himself brotherhood um i think that that was a connection that they both felt that that obi-wan was sensing anakin and anakin was sensing obi-wan and and back and forth and and to me that makes any interaction between the two of them even more exciting yeah, it's kind of like when you sign into Xbox Live and you can see your friends list. You know, you reconnect to the Force and, hey, look, there's your friends list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you log into the Force. Hey, here's who's online. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, look at that. Oh, hello there. Um, yeah, no. Kenobi. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, it's going to be just really insanely interesting the first time they actually meet, you know, what that's going to be like for Obi-Wan physically seeing Darth Vader and seeing like what he's, you know, seeing what he's become. I think that can be a really powerful scene if he's seeing him in the suit. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe it starts with him getting captured and he's taken and he sees him in the tank and then sees him in the suit. But, you know, I think that has a lot of potential to be a really gut-wrenching scene for people just the first time he actually lays eyes on what, you know, Vader has, like what Anakin has become. And again, that could be really cool. How is it going to make sense in terms of what we know to be true in the original trilogy, though? That's my, that's... uh, for all the things that I would love to see happen and I think would tell a great story, it will be hard for me um, if they just don't make contact, you know, don't make sense in context of what will actually happen chronologically next. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Uh, this is a quick thing for me and it, it's backtracking a lot. I was, I don't know how I felt about it. I guess I'm not mad. I guess I'm just like, I guess you could have just maybe left it. If you are not going to have Qui-Gon in this show, you're not going to bring back Liam Neeson because obviously at the end of Revenge of the Sith, Yoda talks to Obi-Wan about teaching him how to commune with his former master. And he mentions Qui-Gon like he's calling out for him. If you're not going to, if you weren't able to get him, uh, I really wish they would have left that out. Yeah. I kind of thought, you know, that that was kind of a big thing then. And that was sort of one of the things that I thought we might get for this is, will we get Liam Neeson as a force ghost? Um, You know, we've certainly seen force ghosts throughout, uh, so it made sense that maybe we would see him in some capacity um, 
you know, it seems like it was something Obi-Wan was really excited about. Oh, I'm going to go continue my training with Qui-Gon. Cool. I'll go to this, you know, sand planet right away. And, and it feels like, though, he hasn't talked to him. Like, it feels like he hasn't talked to him at all or in a very long time. Yeah, there's there's something a little weird there about that. So hopefully, maybe, I mean, I just... I love Liam Neeson in general. Um, I know he has talked about the fact that he really liked that character and he definitely would return to the universe. Um, and it's, it always helps when somebody wants to come back and wants to do that. Um, you know, that's one of the things that I have up to the, the buildup of the show and the release it, to dive a little bit, you know, out of the episode, so to speak. It's just been really cool to see the amount of love and respect from Star Wars fans, because Rob will say this statement again, you know, there is nobody. I I don't think there's any fan base for any franchise. I I don't know of any form of entertainment that elicits the kind of reaction that Star Wars can from its own supposed fans. Nobody hates Star Wars like Star like Wars fans. We love Star Wars. <laughs> yes. um, but, but to at, see... At the same time, it's the biggest intellectual property in right. the world. What's bigger than Star Wars worldwide? I mean, yeah. any, name name any intellectual property. What's bigger than Star Wars? Like, well, and not just, one single thing. Yeah, I mean, just look at, you know, when these... As time went by, as much as it was mangled when it came out, you know, back then, look at how much money the Phantom Menace brought in after 10 years being away from the box office for Star Wars. You know, the Phantom Menace at the time was like the biggest thing. It was like, oh my God, Star Wars back. Pack crowds upon pack crowds upon pack crowds. Look at the, you know, say whatever you want about the 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 sequel trilogies. You can't deny the effect the force awakens had look how much money that movie made opening weekend, how much it made over its run. Um, you know, and if star Wars was bigger, like it's, it's crazy how like it's big, but you know, internationally compared to some of these, these other properties, it still lags behind. Um, but you know, look how much money the force awakens brought. So yeah, star Wars is just this huge, you know, property, but it's been really cool to see, and even Hayden Christensen and and you and McGregor have talked about it. The fans actually liking and respecting Hayden Christensen coming back and cheering for him. And Rob, I don't know if you've been able to catch anything that he's done, like actual interviews where he's on camera. It's really cool to see his like. I, I don't know how to describe it, but just almost this feeling of peace he has coming back and like getting a second chance. Uh, it's been really cool to see time heals all wounds in some ways. Um, by the way, I will never forgive Ryan Johnson, but, um, I digress. Um, I'll tell you what I have seen is he's actually been uh, on the circuit kind of trying to make excuses for the clunky dialogue in episode two and saying that Lucas wrote it that way intentionally because this is not the same place as earth. So they wouldn't talk the same way necessarily. Um, and I'm like, uh, 
that's dumb. Like, thank you for trying. Like, I appreciate you, you know, for trying, but no, sorry, not buying it. Like it's, it's being consumed by like, it's the same way that when I'm watching a movie that takes place in Japan or China, if it's not subtitled, like they're speaking English because that's, that's the audience it's for. Like it's, you know, you, you write dialogue, you try to try to elicit an emotion and it, that emotion gets elicited better if the dialogue makes sense. Um, so I, you know, I heard what he was saying. I appreciated the effort of trying to excuse it, but episode two's dialogue is so beyond inexcusable and, and just piss poor uh, and in need of a, somebody with a red pen um, that, that no amount of time will make me forget how bad it is. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, you know, when he talks about that, it's like, no. Yeah. Like, yeah. Lucas did it on purpose. Cause that's how he writes. Like, yeah, it was deliberate. Not because he thinks it <laughs> like, I mean, you go and look at anything else. Like uh, again, Lucas does not <laughs> write good dialogue. He just, he like, he just doesn't. And the rare times that he writes good dialogue for whatever reason, he removes it from the script. There's, there's a scene with Obi-Wan and Padme in Revenge of the Sith that the dialogue is like unbelievably like effective and it gets cut from the movie because it's almost like Lucas, I, I don't know, like took an eight ball or came off an eight ball and was like, what is, what is this? This this actually seems like a normal human being. I can't write this. So <laughs> this doesn't fit. <laughs> right. Exactly. Hang on a second. Um, so, Rob, anything else you want to you want to touch base on uh, with these these two episodes that we might not have covered? Um, no, I I I want to go a little bit further. So. I, again, I'm terrified to make predictions, but um, you talked about Reva a little bit and, and a thought that I had on her. Um, so I've kind of already explained where I think we're going to see the origins of her character. But one of the other things that you think about that is true through almost all of Star Wars is the concept of redemption. We see that so frequently over and over again, you know, redeeming Anakin, uh, you know, back from the dark side to the light side. Um, you know, we even watch him uh, go from light to dark in the prequel trilogy, trying to redeem uh, Ben Solo from Kylo Ren in the sequel trilogy. Um, you know, Din trying to get him to be, you know, more than just a soulless bounty hunter, trying to maybe redeem him back into something that represents a little more humanity. Um, redemption is by far a very key component of Star Wars. I think at some point we will see something with that uh, as we learn more about Reva um, and why she has this hatred for Obi-Wan that she does. I think once we understand that hatred a little bit more, we'll start to see opportunity for her possibly to be redeemed. Uh, that's that's kind of one theory that uh, uh, I'm throwing out there. Again, I'm not like planting my flag in the dirt and saying, yep, this is going to happen because I've learned my lesson on that. But that's that's something that I wonder if we're going to see. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, a, a really good point. And I have seen, you know, those, there, there's already a couple fan theories that she was 
uh, for some reason, a survivor of Order 66, but was, uh, you know, for some reason, uh, I can't remember the exact fan theory, but the reason she couldn't escape was because of Obi-Wan and, and something that happened during um, the battle. So I'll be very interested to see where her story goes. I, there was screenshots released of her with Vader. Uh, so it does seem like she's definitely going to be in his good graces um, for how long? Um, who knows? Because we have been told that, you know, this is a very active uh, Lord Vader, more so in line with what we saw in Rogue One, his fighting style. You know, this is not the slow clunky Vader that we see in a new hope. And certainly, he certainly did need to for certain occasions. He could just force choke the crap out of somebody. Um, so it'll be interested to, interesting to see how well she uh, curries favor with him, like she said. Yeah. And getting the opportunity to see, you know, Darth Vader just wrecking stuff. Um, sign me up. I'm in for that. Give me as much of that as I can get. Right. Ab- absolutely. So. All right. Well, let's let's move forward and we're going to actually go into uh, roll credits here and we'll talk about, you know, our final thoughts on the two episodes, what our ratings for those are. um, And we'll go from there. So, Rob, we had mentioned a a couple of of Easter eggs and we will, you know, just kind of repeat two of them right off the bat. One of them is obviously the clone trooper um, played by what is his name? Rob, do you remember the, I can't remember the actor's name off the top of my head for some reason. Um, Why am I not uh, remembering his name? Uh, um, uh, Tamora Morrison. Yeah. Yep. There we go. So, you know, we certainly see him. Uh, We see the uh, plane that Luke has in a new hope. Any other Easter eggs that you had seen in this uh, this episode? You know, there's there's a couple things here and there that I would say are, you know, either really deep cuts or references to things. Um, the one that I think is kind of interesting is one of the assassins that comes after him in the second one. Um, Forlom is a protocol droid. Um, we actually see, so he, he definitely gets lumped up here. Um, but he's, he's one of the bounty hunters that you see with Darth Vader in empire strikes back. So it was kind of interesting to see that, but you know, there's really, I feel like we got a lot more in terms of Easter eggs in Mandalorian, um, than, than what we got really here so far. Yeah, no, I don't think there was, uh, you know, there, there wasn't a ton. And again, I think, uh, you alluded to this earlier that can sometimes be a really good thing with you don't need to, you know, I don't need everything shoehorned in. I I don't have to see where everybody got everything. I, you know, I don't need to see how Logan got his coat in X-Men one in, you know, in X-Men origins Wolverine from the, you know, Martha and Jonathan Kent ripoffs. Um, that gets shot for no reason. I, I don't need to see things like that because sometimes it just deludes the property. So I think the fact that they, you know, didn't give us too much now, again, I mean, we've got, 
more episodes to come, so maybe we'll be chewing on our words. But I think between the two episodes, there was the right amount to just kind of give us some, oh, well, that's cool. Like, that's a fun little nod to, you know, fans who have been around and, and know Star Wars. Yeah, it's it's um it's one of those things like if you if you do a Google search on on Easter eggs and things like that, you can find a bunch of like, oh, yeah, I remember that line. And it's a reference to like a planet that was casually like offhand referenced in one of the movies. And, and now that same planet's been mentioned twice, you know, like there's a there's a lot of that kind of stuff so far, which is it's great for world building, but it's also great for um, allowing non-hardcore fans who live breathe eat die star wars to you know that that would only understand it right exactly so with that being said rob i'll uh i'll let you go first and we're gonna get into our real rating and i think for this one Obviously, I think we should just rate the two episodes individually. So out of out of our five real score, where do you actually rate episode one and episode two? So putting one and two together, um, you know, I just love Star Wars. I really do. For for all of the things that I complain about, um, there's there's so much here. Um, in this world, in this universe, that just is an absolute delight. I, I enjoy everything that I can with it. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna probably be a little easier than than other people might be uh, when it comes to you know being able to forgive certain things. Um, again, there's still a lot left to go, and and there's a lot of time for us to feel better or worse about this season. But just as I sit here today, I I'm. I feel pretty confident that this is a four uh, out of five reels for me looking at these two together, um, four out of five. Um, and, uh, we'll see if that changes as, as the season goes on. Yeah. Uh, I actually rate these exactly like you do. Uh, there's, you know, again, like we talked about some familiar star Wars clunkiness. Um, you know, certainly there's some questions that I hope are going to be answered in a, a, a suitable way that doesn't make you question everything that you've seen. But there were certain moments and Rob, I, I didn't say it to you, but we've certainly uh, talked to each other about this, but I just, I, I said to a friend of mine, I, I, we were talking about these episodes and I said, man, I said, I, I don't care. You know, I've, I've gone and seen Batman begins in the, th- you know, I went and saw Batman begins in the theater five times. That shows you how much I like that movie. You know, Endgame was one of the greatest theater experiences I've ever had, you know, in my life. People clapping, cheering, standing up, crying, hooting, hooting and hollering. I've had so many great experiences at the movie theater. I don't know what it is, but there is, for me, you know, you don't get it here with the music, but just the re you know from the recap and just certain moments nothing really hits like star wars for me and you know i i've seen tons of movies hundreds of thousands of movies but when star wars is good for me there's just still nothing that beats it um i'm 100 with you um even think about the things about star wars that are 
unbelievably iconic. Think about something as simple as a lightsaber igniting. You know exactly what that sounds like. You can recognize that sound. If you're just walking down the street and you hear that noise, you know somebody is watching Star Wars in their house. Like you can hear that sound and immediately know it is one thing and one thing only. The sound the blasters make, the sound the TIE fighters make, you know, all of these, all of these sounds, Darth Vader's breath. You know, you can get a chill just hearing Darth Vader's breath. There's so much about Star Wars that is um, so beyond iconic. I mean, it is one of, it's the largest thing in pop culture. And it came out in the late 70s and still has dominated pop culture all the way through. And it's hard to imagine what would ever become bigger than Star Wars. And when it is good, there's nothing better. When it's really bad, it's disheartening and it and it hurts your soul a little bit. Mm-hmm. When it's bad, um, and because you want it to be so good, you want like, like it would be if if my kids were like, Dad, we don't want to watch anything Star Wars. We don't want anything to do with Star Wars. Like, don't make us watch any of this. Like, I don't I don't even want a Baby Yoda toy. Like, don't get me a Baby Yoda toy. I don't like Star Wars. Like, I would feel like I failed as a parent a little bit. Like, ah, <laughs> like that would that would actually bother me a little bit. Thank God, without me forcing them, all three of my kids love Star Wars and 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 love everything about it. And and. They even like Jar Jar. Like I, uh, that kind of makes me feel like I did fail as a parent a little bit because they think Jar Jar is funny. I'm like, no, no, Jar Jar is not funny. You're supposed we hate Jar Jar in this house. Um, but yeah, when Star Wars is good, there's nothing like it. There's there's just nothing like. Take whatever your favorite thing is. Like whatever your favorite thing. If it's a, a video game, a TV show, or a movie, it's when Star Wars is good. It's better than that. It's better than whatever your favorite thing is. Yeah, I mean, have you ever tried to open an automatic door like you're a force user? Because, you know, I, if you I have. Say you have it, you're lying. <laughs> like, you're lying oh, if you say no. Here, I got that for you. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, it's just ridiculous. So, uh, you know, Rob, we uh, Harrison was was with us and he, you know, he had to unfortunately had a couple things he had to do here so we're going to get his his recap and his ratings on the next episode uh of obi-wan so let's talk about obviously that's coming uh we're going to be doing every episode of obi-wan me you and harrison but we also have another series that we're doing that will be coming up uh tuesday the the next one in our our grouping of five what what series are we still doing here we are Jurassic podcasting. We are going in, in preparation for Dominion coming up. We are going back from the beginning, working our way up through. Not everybody has the time to devote like you and I do to sit down and rewatch everything. Uh, so uh, we're here. we are here for you. You can go back and, and right now the first three episodes are up on Jurassic Parks 1, 2, and 3. They get they start off incredible and somehow get progressively worse so far. Uh, so you'll have to wait and see when we record our first episode on, on what I would call a soft reboot in uh, Jurassic World. Uh, what our thoughts are on that? I'm, I'm actually uh, very excited to go back and rewatch that because it's been a minute since I've seen it and uh, I remember enjoying it. So uh, certainly if you are excited for the third installment in Jurassic World, uh, go back and, and listen to those episodes and uh, check out what our thoughts are on that series as a whole and getting ready for uh, the third Jurassic World film. 
Yeah, I am uh, really excited to to go back and rewatch that because I, I do remember my excitement level being at the max to see a new Jurassic Park movie. And I, I remember it quite fondly. So I'm going to be interested to see if that still holds up because it's been a long time since I've seen, well, you know, compared to other things, but it's been a long time since I've seen Jurassic World and certainly some of these movies as we rewatch them. Uh, I certainly did not remember The Lost World as much as I thought I did. Um, and I had fonder memories of Jurassic Park 3 than I thought I would. So uh, I'm going to be very interested um, to go back and, and watch that, especially for the uh, anticipation of... Uh, Jurassic World Dominion, uh, something that they're claiming is like their version of Avengers Endgame. So that's some pretty lofty talk um, to to say. So I, I don't know if that's going to be good or bad. So, yeah, uh, I think certainly knowing that there's going to be combining casts from the original trilogy uh, with the you know the the cast from the first two Jurassic World series, um, it'll. You know, we're going to get the big three. We're going to get Malcolm. We're going to get Dr. Grant and Dr. Sadler. Um, you know, we, we want all of those three together and we're actually going to have them on screen together. Right. Um, something that Star Wars didn't know how to do properly with with their big three. Um, and it'll be curious to see who else they bring back. You know, do they bring back Billy from JP3? Do they do they bring back um, uh, Ian Malcolm's love interest from the second film, you know, are there, is there anybody else they find a way to bring back? We know that Dr. Wu will have to factor in somehow. Um, and certainly the fallout from what he's done. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to see what they do with it. Uh, in the meantime, you, the listener, you can email your thoughts to the show on this episode or any of the Jurassic Park stuff, what you think will happen, what you'd like to happen, uh, both in Obi-Wan and uh, in Jurassic Park, Jurassic World. You can email the show, mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. It's just Matt Goes to the Movies, uh, the initials from that podcast at gmail.com. Certainly, you can hit the show up on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Check out the Facebook group page. Uh, a lot of good stuff goes on there. Um, great dialogue back and forth on, on different things that are going on in the world of movies and TV. Uh, certainly anything uh, as it relates to comic book movies, Star Wars, uh, sci-fi, fantasy, all of that. Uh, it's a great way to, uh, to just engage in a dialogue. There's some really cool fans over there. So uh, make sure you do that. And while you're at it, head over to Podchaser. You can go to podchaser.com, do a quick search on Matt Goes to the Movies, and leave a review for this episode or the series as a whole. <clears throat> you can also do that for The Basement Binge, our friend Harrison's show. If you like Matt Goes to the Movies, you will love The Basement Binge as well. Uh, movie uh, review-based podcast, uh, some shows as well, but uh, mostly movies. Uh, he's done a lot of great stuff with animation. Uh, you will find guest appearances by Matt and myself periodically, but a lot of good stuff over there as well. You can download his show anywhere you get this show, uh, and you can leave a review on Podchaser as well. I couldn't have said it better myself, and that's why I normally don't. So <laughs> thank you so much for that, Rob. So listeners, thank you once again for tuning in to this episode and every episode that you guys tune into. It is greatly appreciated. So until next time, we will see you very soon at Matt Goes to the Movies.